You are listening to the Run Duo Podcast, a program to entertain and to inform. Forerunners by runners. Now here are your hosts, India Cook and Tommy Mitchell. All right, and we are back for episode two of Run Duo. <laughs> Nobody thought we'd make it. <laughs> I think they've been waiting on I've been getting a couple DMs like, when's the next podcast? We are bi-weekly people. We got jobs. We ain't got time to be doing this all the time. Right? It's fun, but no. We got a great show coming up. We got the the queen of the world majors. She is now the queen of the world majors for Georgia. Miss Heather King coming up in a little bit. We got her on hold. We had a we're going to have a great conversation with her. But as we get going, of course, the reason she's the queen of the world majors because she ran London. Um, what was that? Two weeks ago now? Yep. No, two weeks. And so we're going to just talk a little no. bit about was it two weeks? It was a week ago. Yeah. You know, I can't keep track. These people running all the time. Um, it was two weeks ago that she did Boston, though. Okay, that's so, what it was. That's yeah. what it was. She did a kind of back-to-back situation. Now, while we're talking about Boston, um, I think we got a crack. Congratulations going out for someone who just qualified for Boston. Yes. Miss Ebony Jenkins. Congratulations, Ebony. She went out to what? Now, what was that race? Because I know a few people went out there. I know Lisa and Gary and Brian, all of Brian Davis went out there. Yeah, so it was the Mount Rebel. And it was just, she, listen, they said it was very hot. I could tell that it was very hot from the pictures. So they were running through desert-like conditions, definitely. Um, But not only did she PR on her half with a 142.55, but she beat her P- her BQ time by 15 minutes. 15 minutes? 15 minutes. So that means she really, really, she qualified, qualified, qualified. <laughs> so she only, um, I think she needed a 345, and she crossed the finish line at 330.57. Wow. Congratulations, Ebony. Um, yes. Ebony is definitely one of those runners that, I knew eventually she would qualify for Boston because she's very consistent with her training. She's constantly posting and inspiring others. So once again, congratulations, Ebony. Yes, great job, girl. Now, um, we're going to talk a little bit about the elites um, in the London Marathon. London was much better weather than Boston, but... Kind of the opposite, It was hot. <laughs> Let me tell you, I got up. I got. Did you get up and watch it? Did you get up in the morning and watch it? Yes, I, w- I did. I was struggling to keep my eyes open because I did have to be to work at seven that morning, so I was a little worried on how I was gonna <laughs> make it at the job. But you know, it's a world major, so I was like, I got to get up and watch it. Perfect. Yeah, I got up. I, I, I said I have to get up and watch it. Um, I taped it too, just in case I wanted to watch it again. You know, that's how crazy I am about uh, mm-hmm. running. Do you ever think while you're watching a marathon, like I'm actually sitting here? Watching a marathon. I'm about to watch people run for two, three hours. Um, I must really enjoy it. This is my life. (laughs) Like I told my, I told a friend of mine, I was like, well, I'm going to have to go to bed a little early. I need to get a good nap because I'm going to be waking up to watch the London Marathon. He was like, what? Yeah, that's what's happening. That is exactly what's happening. Well, and and, I mean, I'm a big, huge football fan. And unless it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, yeah, I'm a Buccaneer fan. um, So I know, I know pain. Um, I, I, I will not watch every play of a football game. I'll watch every step of of a, of a world major marathon. And that's because things can change up so quickly, like it did in London. Just like it did in London. Yeah. Now, my, my thing is, when it deals with the weather, mm-hmm. the way I know it's going to be too hot to, to, you know, world qualify or qualify for Boston or if I'm trying to do break a PR is if 
at a marathon, the spectators are wearing shorts. Oh yeah, it's gonna be too warm. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be way too sure. warm to to really go in. But as usual, the one man, mm-hmm. the one guy, the one that can defy Sorry. all reason, right? Kipchoge. That's Kipchoge. good God. Yes. I mean, I mean, we'll get to him, but let's let's start with the ladies. Let's start with the ladies. Wait, wait, wait. Let me ask you okay. real quick. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the best weather for running a marathon? What degree? Well, okay. So, did you do? Did you run a marathon for Team Takedown? Did you do that? No. Okay. You know, I was not about that life. I, I was not getting caught up in that, and I was not going to allow that to be my first. So I refused to do that. My first was Chicago, and it was. It was warm. I had a tank top on. Oh no, I didn't remember yeah, your Chicago. Yeah. I was I was there on the sideline. I, I walked around with your dad. Remember? Yeah, yeah. I got to hang out with your boss. Uh, yeah, he's pretty cool guy. Right? <laughs> yes, yes. Cool guy. Cool dude. Uh, yeah, I had a tank top on though, so it was it was pretty warm. Well, it, it for me the pe- the Publix well team takedown year whatever that was for Publix I guess it was not last year but the year before mm-hmm. um, that was the best weather because it actually never warmed up. It right. was probably, I wouldn't say it was in the 40s. It might have been in the mid-50s, I think. No. It was pretty chilly because I, I wore gloves it the whole time. Was it high 40s? Was it high 40s? Okay. Because I ran the half for Publix, and mm-hmm. I remember cheering you guys on, and at the end, I literally had to put on layers and put on my gloves. So it had to be like yes. maybe high See, 40s. See, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I, need, I need the spectators mm-hmm. to be wrapped up. Right for for my race because that means it's cool enough for me to go all out, mm-hmm. which I was able to do. I didn't I didn't break four, but I, I for that course I did four ten, yeah. and I had to stop and go to the bathroom. So I think I did pretty good. You did great, <laughs> but, but I think yeah. the forties is good because yeah. your body heats up twenty mm-hmm. degrees. So at the end of the day, you running you you know if it's in the forties, you your body feels like it's in the sixties. So that's not super super bad. That's like that's that's you can work with it. Yeah. So that's that's about the temperature that I like for a marathon. Gotcha. But let's get into these elite women mm. because let me ask you this cuz they have pacers in London. Yes. What do you think? Do you think that takes away from I know to me it took away from the I, in the beginning of the race I thought this is taking away from the mystery for me cuz they got pacers. So it, it takes away from the mystery but it also if your pacers aren't on point and doing what they're supposed to do, it can mess up a lot of things. And when I was listening to the broadcasters for London, the Pacers went out way too fast. They said that for the men as well. But they said the Pacers went out too fast and the ladies were kind of further back from the Pacers than they should have been because the Pacers probably were a little further on pace than they should have, which pushes the pace in the beginning and can cause it to for the, you know, the actual runner that's trying to finish his race to be very tired at a time that they shouldn't be. So I think the Pacers have to be where they need to be. And it kind of, to me, it kind of confuses everything. There's too many people on the track. Who You you know what I mean? On the roads. Like, it's just it's just. And then they much. got those crazy zebra-looking shirts yeah. on. Always like, dude, it's that's like just ugly. Like, exactly. Like, ooh. <laughs> but because yeah. it was, okay, so they had the Pacers that were leading the two main women, yes. and I, and if you have the names, can you give them to me? It was Mary Katani, mm-hmm. and I don't know who the other young lady was that were in that. There was just the two of them that were going for the world record. No, the Baba. The Baba, yes, the yes. Baba. Mm-hmm. They were going for the world record. Right. Because it was such a warm day, mm-hmm. I was thinking as it went on, and it turned out that they, I mean, the Baba, I mean, yeah, the Baba dropped out. They were hurting. The, and the fifth, I think they came in like fifth and seventh or something. Like it was. Oh, they, she stayed, the Baba yeah, stayed in? Okay. Yeah. So it was okay. fifth and seventh. So it was one of those things where 
they finished in the top 10, but usually from what they usually race, it was not a good day for them, unfortunately. Well, do you think, because I'm sure the the um, London, whoever runs London, whoever, mm-hmm. the, you know, Virgin runs the uh, marathon, mm-hmm. I'm sure paid Mary Katani and Dababa to break a world record. That is why they were there. I, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. It's some coins involved. So do you think it, if, if they weren't being paid to, to set a world record, mm-hmm. Do you think they would have gone out slower? They would have realized it was hot, gone out slower, not gone. Because did you see Mary Katani at the end when that girl went past her oh, yeah. and she tried to go yeah, and she, she couldn't? Tried. She had no more fuel nothing in the tank. left. She had nothing, nothing left. left in the tank. And that's because of the heat, yeah. in my opinion. It was because of the heat. Yeah, it was. So, and again, of course, they pushed the pace. And I think mm-hmm. even the Pacers pushed the pace because of that. Like they wanted it, you know, they're, they're trying to beat a world record. Well, I think. Once again, like you said, they're trying to beat a world record. The Pacers are hired to pace them to a world record. That's what they would. That's London. The dude, I'm sure he came up. Hey, hey, you know what you're here for, right? But they're also to encourage you and to, I mean, I think that there's a pace that you're pushing too much too early and Mm -hmm. you can can screw the the runners. Like, you can Mm -hmm. do too much. Or you can pace them appropriately, pick it up when it needs to be, and, you know, and kind of get them like, come on, let's go, let's get it in there. To me, when I was watching it, the pacers were just gone, and it was just kind of like, we running our race, and they back there. (laughs) And that's not how it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be like a group engagement. Well, eventually they came back. But I think they were trying to say, okay, if you You want to break this record, you need to do this. And then, I guess they realized, okay, you couldn't. But they did their jobs because once Mary Katani dropped dropped back, Mm -hmm. they went with the the original winner. Yeah, they went with the eventual winner, and they Mm -hmm. stayed with her the whole time. I think Pacers for the men's side is a little different Mm -hmm. um, because they did do a great half. Yeah. But their paces drop out after mm-hmm. a half. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a it's a little different because they had more time to reacclimate to because of the heat. They slowed down quite a bit on that second half. They did. Um once their again. First mile uh-huh. was a oh yeah, they were rolling. They were rolling. Yeah. And then they said the second mile was like downhill and was like really fast, but they crossed the five K in thirteen forty eight. 10K and 2819. Do that calculation. They were rolling. I mean, rolling. I mean, I, I don't. The thing is, okay, so I think we talked about this and I said, uh, Mo Fair, Mo Fair, I wasn't going to do anything. Yeah, he and did I break. said he was. I said he was. Please go to our well, first he, episode because I, I called it. I said he was going to do something. Yeah, he broke the British record. What's and that? He came in third. What's the British he record? He still plays. He the, was on the, that podium, though. The British Don't, record was set by uh, he the guy, I think he did it in 1901 or something. I don't remember when it was, to be honest with you. But um, <laughs> the guy that was actually the British record holder for the marathon, I think, was at the race. <laughs> and he had said it's about time because it had been such a long time. Right. But, yeah, he came in third. That is true. He, he stuck with he him. He did better than uh, Bellicay. I don't know what. I don't even know if he actually finished because, you know, he 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 known for just dropping out. Yeah. I don't get Like, the whole dropout thing. What do you think about that? Well, they're elites. They have a, they, I just think they have a different mindset of what their goals are for the day. And I guess, you know, if they're not going to finish in the money, they're like, you know, let me save this for another one. Let me, yeah, let me save. Exactly. Let me save this for the other one. Makes sense. Now, um, as far as how it broke out, like you said, for the women, the heat definitely made a big, huge difference because the major people kind of dropped out. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think with the men, because of Kipchoge. But Kipchoge time wasn't even one of his best, though. Yeah, but for the day, nobody was even close to him. Yeah, I mean, nobody was even close to him. You think he on that juice? You think on them steroids? Nah. I don't know, man. I don't know. 
let me let me say. That's been caught recently, so I don't. I I can't say that, but I would hope not because I, I I respect him very much. Well, you had some some statistics on like his winning, like how he's been winning lately. So kind of kind of fill us yeah, in so on that. Basically, he has stepped foot on a starting line um, ten times, and he has won nine out of ten of those races. So that's huge. Like the fact that you have run ten marathons and nine of those races you have won, like that's a big deal. So I don't think that uh you know he will be shown up too too much probably within the next couple of years. I give him maybe two more years of being the man. The man. Two more years. Well, somebody 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 gonna creep up with him. But I give him maybe a year or two more of winning. Well, this is the thing. This is the reason why people say he is so good because he trains like he's broke. He mm-hmm. has a camp that he goes to. Now, he drives to the camp in a Range Rover. Of course. But when he get there, <laughs> he trains like he got a B210. Minimal lifestyle. Very minimalist lifestyle. Yes. And they say that's why he's been so good. Whereas other runners who finally, you know, get that big payday. Right. They stop training like that. Mm-hmm. They move to Britain. Mm-hmm. They move to America. They start living like us, and you know mm-hmm. we can't run. Yeah. So they think that's why he has done so well. Now, that's that's one side of it. Mm-hmm. The other side is, okay, I'm 50 years old. Okay. I know some things. <laughs> you know a little bit. I know a little bit. When when Barry Bonds was on steroids, uh-huh. who said it first? He was in there. Uh, Barry Bonds is so on steroids. So you trying to call it right now? I'm just saying. Ooh. When I start to see, I can't put that on nobody now, Tommy. Um, what's the what's the dude that had the cancer and the bike guy, Lance Armstrong? Yeah, I called that. You called it. When I start to see somebody in anything endurance, when I start to see anything that has to do with recovery, mm-hmm. and I start to see one person be able to do things that nobody else okay. has been able to do. I can't put that on nobody, but you know what? It'll catch up to them at the end of the day. I mean, they do test after test after test, and there's some people that it finally comes to light, and it may not be the day of the race, but if he doing it, it's gonna come out. Whatever. How many? How many uh, Tour de France did Lance Armstrong win? <laughs> Six something. I said it will come out. And they been, they were tasting him. To, and you know what? The one thing I gotta say about Lance, Lance was like, "Oh, I ain't do it." Right. He was like, "Show me." I mean, you can't. I, I ain't like do that. it. And then when they caught, when they finally caught him. Yeah, I did it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it but hey, look, don't don't send me no cards, don't send me no letters, don't send me no emails. I'm just right. saying, whenever I start to see that, and it's unfortunate I live in the world where that is the truth. Yeah. When I start to see it, I get a little skeptical. I like, hmm. Mm. Hmm. I'm I, a little optimistic. I, I, he's just amazing. I'm just gonna say that. Put that on the record. <laughs> That's Tommy talking about that. Kipchoge, you good? Keep on doing your thing. I give you hey, two more. I, I, yeah, I love him. I hope he breaks the world record. I hope he is clean, but I'm just saying. But anyway, so he was able to keep going in the heat, do his thing, win. So did he in, Did he win the world major? Did he end up with the most points? I'm guessing he had to. I don't think it's complete. Well, for for the Abbott, so the series are different, different um are there different series? So there's Abbott series that's mm-hmm. from London last year to, to London, London this year. year. Okay, uh-huh. there's, there's like four or five other series. So it just depends on the level of series that it is, uh-huh. and it, it dictates each um, different races. So I didn't, I wasn't able to look into that, but I'm pretty sure he has won something because he continues to do it. And because yeah, he won Berlin for that. Yeah, yeah. he won because you can only get points in two. Right. 
So he because won. If Bur- you continue to win, mm-hmm. like say he won four, you would yeah. only get the two as your match. Exactly. And whoever the, the top two that you got. Exactly. Yeah. So he won Berlin and he won London. Yeah. So he has the top points. I got to say he has the top points. Yeah. Um, but anyway, congratulations. Um, who was the winner for the women? What was her name? Listen. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I was only focused on Mary, um, Mary Katani Katani. and Dababa because that's who I said was going to be doing that work. And mm-hmm. they, yeah, they totally did not. <laughs> you they say did they not totally succeed. did not. Um, and I was really looking at it like, why did they not succeed? You know what was really interesting to me, though, about the whole thing mm-hmm. was I didn't know that the men started with the masses. Like yes. the men's all, and so it was really cool to see like regular runners trying to keep up with them for like right. the first like five steps. They're waving at them when they're doing a the, like little out and back situation. They're waving like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. I like, think it was Cherry, Cherry Oat. I think that's who yeah, that was. Cherry Vivian Cherry Yeah, Vivian Cherry Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because she, she took the lead at one hour and 56 minutes. Right. Um, is when she took the lead and did not relinquish it. So, no. um, you know what? I think it was another great world major marathon. Yes, it was. And you know what? The lottery is currently open for us. <laughs> I'm trying to give these people some hope, Tommy. Don't be. The lottery is currently open. It ends on May the 4th, which is this coming up Friday. So if you want to put your put your ballots in for that to hopefully get picked. Word on the street is that not many Americans get in. But maybe you can pray a lot and something can come through. <laughs> maybe the the gods from above will bless you with a, a bid for that. But yes, yes, that lottery is open. Put it in. You'll Did find you put out one in? Couple, I ain't putting one in, no. So why, why are you hyping people up and you ain't put one in? I, I can inspire and hype other people and not do it for myself. <sighs> That's the best thing. Be a cheerleader. <laughs> I am here for the cheerleading. <laughs> well, I did put one in. I put one in. Hope springs eternal. So okay. I put one in. I would love to go to London. I didn't see because I I'm, that would probably be my that would be my first international marathon if I did get in. But if I don't get in, um, you know, maybe I'll do I Detroit and get my little international, mm. get my Canada international. Mm. <laughs> I mean, why not? Dude, yeah, what I mean, you got to lose? You ain't got to put no money with it. You right. You right. So I'm when right, they tell right, me, oh, you can you can enter for free. <laughs> Hold up. Here we go. <laughs> they don't be mad when they park it. So they like, they like, like, no, they don't even, even take, hey, they don't even ask for your car. Probably because they know no Americans getting in, right, but they don't even, even ask for the car because they're like, well, let's just put this on the website so right. they can't act like we don't let them in. Let's make it look like they're going to get in. <laughs> let's get their hopes up and knowing it's not going to happen. Did you see the para-athletes? Like the the blind where they had the the guy the guides with them. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch that part. Okay, they, well they were passing them along okay. the way, but I did see because I think the the actual para winner mm-hmm. he was legally blind, mm-hmm. but he didn't have a guide because mm-hmm. most mm-hmm. most blind runners have a guide and they hold like a it looks like a string. It does. Yeah, most of the time. Yeah, but. Um, Alberto Lasso, mm-hmm. he's the one that won for the para, and they said he was legally blind, but he ran the whole 26 without anybody with, with him. Just no cane, without no nothing. Anything. I was like, you can't be, if you can run 26 miles, you ain't got no cane. To those footsteps, well, you know you can hear, or you can hear But he was in the lead, so. <laughs> there had to be a guy. 
had to be something. Who he following? There had to be something, like some kind of, somebody was saying something. Dude, that. There had to be something. Man, I was like, let me go on out there and see if I can get the para <laughs> championship. He running with nobody. But. Well, you know what? I did see there was a um, a guy that did the pin relays that was a blind sprinter. He actually did. His name was David Brown. Um, and he actually did the 100 meters in 11.26. What? Yes, and he had a guide and everything. His guide's been with him since he was since two thousand four. So he's had the same guide. But now that you mention that, like that's a big deal to be able to run without staying in lane, stay on the right path, not bumping into anything, anybody, and be dude. Like, that's amazing. I can see, and I fall all the time, so I, I can can't even <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> I give him a lot of credit. Now right. you're talking about the pin relays. Uh, yes. Tell us a little bit about that. When was the pin that relays? That was last weekend, April 26th through the 28th. So of course, I had my phone. I was at work, but I had my phone, <laughs> NBC app, going. <laughs> Were you in Super there um, fronting up on your people like you did last time? No, with the bu- okay. I didn't see anybody. But, you know, <laughs> they didn't really know. You know, they didn't really know. So I was definitely okay with that. But yeah, there were some good things that happened over that weekend. I love, love, love track. Like track is something that excites me. When Olympics were here in 1996, I went to some of the track things. So track is just something that's really, really exciting to me. But of course. Um, the USA men, LaShawn Collins, Justin Gatlin, which, you know, he was under a lot of fire. You know, I think it was a couple years ago he was under a lot of fire about of potentially them, not being them, clean. Because on them drugs. Yeah. Tevin Hester and Justin Walker, they ran the um, 4 by 100 in 38-39. They were smoking them. Mm. Four people, 38-39. So I think that that was amazing. And, of course, the women, uh, the USA women didn't do the, didn't take the four by one, but they came in second to the Jamaican women. So it was, it was Jamaican gals are there. fast. Let me tell Listen. you, I've chased a Jamaican girl. <laughs> <laughs> they can roll. They do roll. They do roll. <laughs> like they definitely roll. And it's, it was just, it was just a great, the pen relays are, is always just a great weekend. It's just something where you have all the colleges and universities, not all of them, majority of the big colleges and universities coming together to basically showcase their best athletes. And they put it all out there. They're, you know, working. Some of them are definitely some of your elite. Some of them have um, ran at the Olympics and things of that nature. And it's just, it's just a great showcase of a whole weekend. So. Yeah. that I mean, and I remember when I was, uh, Growing up, mm-hmm. people used to talk about the pin relays a lot. Um, really, because in, in Florida, we didn't really know about it. It was more of a northern thing. Yeah. Um, we learned about it through uh, Bill Cosby. But that's <laughs> the Bill Cosby <laughs> show. I mean, I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> I mean, he did educate us. <laughs> <laughs> he did, he did. Um, how are you going to let Bill Cosby drug you? Anyway, okay, moving on, moving on. Um <laughs> So, yeah, pen relays was something that if you got in, you, it was a great experience right. for high schoolers, college, mm-hmm. um, international uh, competition. So, yeah, that, that sounds like it was a good time. I heard they had a lot of great parties in during the pen relays. I never got to experience them, but, you know, know about that piece. Now, maybe, we need sure. to, maybe we need to go do a podcast at the next pen relays. Listen, that would be amazing. <laughs> and get some pen relay, yes. pen relay parties. Yes. Now, speaking of... Because you were talking about the Olympics here Mm -hmm. in Atlanta. You know what's coming, don't you? Listen. You know what's coming, right? So hype. So, and I'm sure you're speaking of... The 2020, yeah, yeah, yeah. Landing the 2020 
marathon trials, the Olympic trials here in Atlanta in February of 2020. So amazing. I am really excited um, that the elites will be in town for that. Um, at this point, you know, I, there's only one person, um, Shawana White. Yes. She'd probably be the only person I can think of it off the top of my head that might have a chance of being in that, that I know personally, I guess yes. I should say. We can say, hey, girl. Exactly. She's going to be out there. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I was thinking as I was watching? Because um, I was like, I would love to go and see these elites in person. Yes. But when you watch a marathon, I mean, literally, it's they gone. Like, they're hey, gone. and they're gone. It's better to watch them on TV. Well, I was thinking maybe find like a bar. Yeah. That is on the course. Okay. But they have it on, so when they come by, we can come outside, and yes. then we can go back in and yeah. continue, I mean, continue to drink. I mean, if you Atlanta, we can probably catch them in a different spot, a couple different spots, maybe. But yeah, they drive, they fly past you so quickly. You know what? We need to start planning a party for we that. We do. You know, as it's soon already as... in my calendar, so <laughs> there needs to be a whole get-together, party, watch situation going down for that day. That is a big thing. Huge, huge thing. think they're going to use? See, they're going to a whole other route, because some people are saying they may use the Olympic route that took place. Some people are saying they may use Publix route. Hell no, ain't nobody. Gonna... They <laughs> ain't gonna no, get them ain't nobody. No, they're not. They have to they, leave. No, no, they can't. They can't. Not get the hills though. But you gotta understand, it's gotta be something that is more neutral because that's how the Olympics will be. Mm-hmm. They're not gonna. They ain't gonna go Publix route. They can't do that. They gonna. If anything, they. I doubt they'll do the old Olympic route because it was it was an out and back. Yeah, and it, I mean, I know Atlanta has changed too. Some some roads probably are not the same as they. Well, were back they then, they but. it started at started at Turner Field. Yeah. It went down, but okay. Do you you weren't even here then, so I don't even know why I'm about to ask I, you this. What do you mean? You know what a civic center is? Yes. Okay, so they went down by the civic center. They 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 went past um they went past um Martin Luther King's old home. They went in that area because they wanted to to go through historic Atlanta. That's kind of how they did it. And then it and then it headed out to Oglethorpe. Mm Mm-hmm. And then they turned around and pretty much ran back up Peachtree, okay. which honestly, that's hills. It is. If that's they run up Peachtree, but catch hills. Yeah, but they ain't about to run through saying. them damn Publix well, hills. Well, the Publix hills is a whole other thing. But at the same time, I mean, they're going to catch some hills. But oh I'm yeah, very I mean, to see if they're are they going to you know launch the route of what they're going to do, and I think that's going to be interesting. Well, and they they're going to probably. Knowing Atlanta Track Club, of course, it's going to have something to do with the population. They're going to want it to go through a, a very populated area so yeah, they can so get as many people cheering. Spectators. Exactly. Yeah. So that's probably going to have. So that's why I don't think it's going to go like Publix where it goes out to Decatur. Mm-hmm. That's why I don't think they'll they'll go along yeah. that back road. Go the sticks a little bit. Yeah. Little bit. Yeah. You, you do. Right. You out there by yourself a little mm-hmm. bit for Publix. But regardless, very, very, very exciting. So what's going on with you? Anything? You got anything new going on? Listen, no, I'm still tra- strength training is the biggest thing that I have going on and trying to run. I did. Let me try. Let me tell you, I did mm-hmm. try these new running shades. So mm-hmm. obviously it's getting hot outside. Mm-hmm. Right. And I always wanted to wear some shades. Like, first of all, I think it's it's cool looking or whatever. <laughs> That's one thing. But also, <laughs> I think it was last year I was listening to Real Runners of Atlanta podcast. And I remember Darrell mentioning he said some kind of statistic about when you squint your eyes, your shoulders also raise. Mm. When the sun is shining in your face, your shoulders also like just that's just biology. Okay. So that has stuck with me. So I'm like, I need to get some shade. So of course, if you're hunching your shoulders, 
you're pulling tension in other areas that you don't need when mm-hmm. you're running, right? So I always said, okay, I wanted to get some new shades. So, of course, I researched some shades. I'm a Nike girl, so I'm always full of Nike. <laughs> Saw these amazing Nike shades that are like $150 to $200. And I'm like, nope. <laughs> like, I'm not doing that. Like, that's a pair of sneakers. <laughs> like, I'm not doing it. They look amazing. They have great statistics on them. But I did just recently buy some new shades. They're by Gooder, G-O-O-D-R. And they're reasonably priced. They're $25, $35. Mm-hmm. Um, they're marketed to be low in price. Not They won't fog. No bouncing. Stylish. Mm-hmm. Um, and so far, I ran some miles in it today, and they they work pretty good. So we're going to see. I need to race in them, of course. I need to put more than just a 5K on them mm-hmm. to see how it is. But, of course, it was warm, and I sweated a lot, and that's my issue. I sweat like I look, <laughs> I look like I've been swimming after I get done running or working out. Uh, but I put some miles on them, and we'll see how they go. So that's something new that I tried out. So we'll see what's going on with that. I'm just mentally gearing up for marathon training in June. So that's kind of where I am right now. Like mm-hmm. I'm trying to get my body together and trying to get everything together for that because once June comes, I'm hitting the ground running. There you go. There you go. I can't run. I, well, I've only run in shades once, but you got the only shades, the uh, running shades I own is because somebody threw them off in a race and I oh, picked them up. Grabbed them. I grabbed them. I was a cheering and I was like, <laughs> oh, you don't, you don't want these? Well, you know what? Sometimes people throw some good stuff. Like some people shed shirts and I'm like, yeah. yo, that's a Dude, good shirt. Dude, that's a Lululemon. What you doing? Right. <laughs> You got money. Right. You can just share that. No. My shit shirt is from Walmart. Like, <laughs> well, I actually, no, I took them when he dropped them. Mm-hmm. It was, actually, it was a young lady. When she dropped them, I picked them up and I put them on the wall and I left them there throughout the whole race just okay. in case they wanted to come back. Mm-hmm. It was time to go. Man, let me go and get these shades. Right. But I can see why you need to purchase quality shades because yes. I've run into them before yeah. and one drop of sweat and that's it. Okay. I got to take them all clean. You know, it's just too I much. I have none of that today. See, that's perfect. I didn't have any, I didn't have none of that. I didn't have any of that today. So we're going to see. Like I said, I need to get a little bit more miles in, but I did mm. a 5K and I was sweating. It was super hot today. So I just said, okay, they work. Well, okay, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll keep on top of the shades. Yeah. Um, I'm really not up to anything new except training. Um, I actually... <laughs> I sent an Instagram uh, DM. I was in somebody's DM. Mm-hmm. I sent an Instagram DM to um, uh, the Speed Project. Okay. Um, which is the race, the um, the race out from, Ve- I'm sorry, from Los Angeles to Vegas. So I sent a DM to them saying, hey, how do I register? Like, all excited. Right. They hit me back like, um, you'll need to email. <laughs> you'll need to email us with information about your running group. Uh, we'll need to know your Twitter. No, they wanted to know my Instagram handle. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just don't jump in this. I was no, like, I, I was looking for them to be like, hey, here's yeah. the registration. I, I think it's more like an invite only type situation for the speed project. So oh, whatever. I'm about we to, have to get some more information. Well, we're gonna need to pull some. I mean, I think we there has to be a group in here in Atlanta that can that can pull that off. Well, I was gonna say I was going to try to start some kind of coalition with some of the run groups mm-hmm. and see. If we can, you know, put together a team, but using, you know, movers and pacers, um, uh, running nerds, take, take, uh, team take, no, who am I trying to think of? Pace the city, you know, that sort of thing. Maybe get those together and maybe 
with the combination of all of them, they'll go ahead and take us. There has to be something, but again, is name speech speed project for a reason? Like those people, the people that ran the speed project this year, like they're they're moving. Like you're not, you don't have your 10, 11, 12, even some nine minute miles wrapped up in there. The people that came in kind of last, they were dipping into the nines. But for the most part, those people, yeah, it's it's yeah. called speed project for a reason. But so we got we got people in Atlanta that we oh, could throw a team together. Of course. Now, I'm not saying we're going to compete with Strava or no, you know no. any of those, but I mean we we I guarantee you we could compete with oh. um, running uh, collective. Yeah, yeah. I mean I think we could put together a team it like that. Definitely happen. And just for those that don't know, the speed the speed project is a like you, like I said it was from um, L A. And I think they start stood um, started on St. Monica Pier, mm-hmm. and they went all the way to Vegas, Las Vegas, to the strip where the big Las Vegas sign was, and basically ridiculous amount of miles like i think they you can't even compare it to a ragnar like it's nothing like a ragnar you had to have an rv you are literally in the desert you're you are there's no rules so basically you just have to get from one point to the next point um very difficult terrain um there had to be several cars there had to be rvs involved it was very very intense so um but an amazing experience so yeah i mean if we can pull it off Mm -hmm. definitely down yeah, most definitely. So um, that that's kind of what I'm working on right now. Now, it looks like we've had our guest, Heather King, on hold way too long. Yeah, she's been holding. So, Appreciate you, Heather. Sorry. <laughs> so we're going to bring her on right now. And we are back with the Run Duo. And, of course, today's guest, I am so excited. Yes. We have Heather King, Miss World Majors of Georgia. How you doing today, Heather? Hey, I'm good. How are you? <laughs> Yeah, we're doing great, and we do appreciate you taking time out of your day. I got so much I can talk to you about. I got Team Takedown I can talk to you about. I've got, you know, the World Majors. But we're going to start off, um, India has a few questions for you about just running in general, okay? All right, so, of course, we know that you have run several marathons. And, of course, with marathons, it's either an out-and-back or a point-to-point. So, Heather, tell me, what do you prefer when it comes to races? Do you prefer out-and-back, or do you like point-to-point races, and why? Um, I would say sometimes point-to-point races are okay. Um, when you're running a marathon, out-and-back is probably better mentally because you know once you get to the end, you got to travel back the same distance, and it, you can kind of check out and just run your race without thinking about, you know, turn right, turn left. So what's yeah. your favorite distance then? I know you've done several marathons, but what's your favorite distance? Uh, I'm not getting ready to own I like marathons. I'm just going to did. I know you do them. <laughs> I'm just going to say this. I've only ran two 5Ks in my entire run career, so that tells you. I don't like 5Ks. Mm-hmm. And I ran my first half marathon for the first time in January, and I hadn't ran one in about three or four years. I really don't know what I'm doing out there. Like, I was looking for the pace team to run with them, <laughs> but ain't no pace team for half marathons. Then, you know, I was trying to pick it up a little bit, and then I was like, no, I need to save some in the tank, girl. I had no idea what I was doing. That thing was so foolish. I said, you know what, I'm going to pick the marathons because – my mind knows what to do when my body follows. Right. But when you throw me in a 10K and I haven't done it in a while, it ain't going to be a good look. Because at mile nine on that half, I was talking to Jesus, like, can you please get him on the main line? <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, so it was 
it was a little distance, but I think overall I probably need to do more distances just so that you know what you're doing to get reacclimated because we all started with a five and then went to a 10 and then built our way up. Mm -hmm. And so it's probably good to kind of venture off doing some of those other ones. But now that I've kind of set down for marathons, I'm going to just try to stay half ready. Did we we hear you say you sat down for marathons? Girl, yes, I'm about to sit. I'm about to sat down. (laughs) I'm about to sat down. I mean, I'm mentally tired. I really am. I I am. Like, I'll I'll do something next year in 2019, but as far as 2018, it's a wrap for me. Like, you'll see me probably doing more cheering. I plan to get on my bike some more. But I just think, you know, I haven't gotten any faster I've been BSing and training plans because I know what I'm doing and I think I could just do it. And that's a lie. And my body showed me that. And so I think until my mind gets back excited about it, mm-hmm. like, you know, back in the day when you was training, you stuck to that, that training plan like it was the Bible. Right. You know, you knew how many miles you had. You had your fuel on point. You could get up before the alarm clock woke you up. Like you, you was excited about it. Uh, that excitement has since left the building. So, um, <laughs> and, until it comes back, I'm, I'm just gonna wait for it. I'm not gonna go after it. Right. But yeah. But, so, what's your pump up you know, song? I, what What got you through these races? These time? What song? What's your main song that you know is gonna get you a little ways? Um, mystical. Here I go. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I got it. Yeah, I, I, you know, my playlist is is straight. My playlist be straight hood. I ain't even gonna lie. That's okay. I got some mystical. You know, I got some MJG and Eight Ball. I definitely got Nuck if you buck. Right. It's it's everything. Most of it is skate music to me though. It's whatever I'm skating to. But most of the music is in the genre of Rep Yo City, Regulators. You know, wipe me down. Mm-hmm. It's it's all crook music mm-hmm. because I I can't be listening to you know Mary J Blige out there talking about who gonna love you better at mile twelve because baby right. we about to come to a stop. Nobody you know? love you at mile twelve. Nobody. <laughs> None. Nobody gonna love you at all. Right. <laughs> so, now, man, look, you know? Do you wear a certain huh? brand of shoes, or do you are you just kind of whatever's whatever's clever? No, I'm actually, um, Mizuno, when I first started out, um, I used to get shin splints a lot. And so I switched to um, the Mizuno Wave Rider, and I just always stay consistent. I've tried some other brands, but it's like, you know, when you know better, you do better, and if it ain't broke, don't worry about it. So I stick to the same ones. I just get, get the new, the latest version, and... You know, maybe get two pairs for that year, just kind of, you know, switch them out based on the mileage. But other than that, no, I'm I'm a Mizuno girl. You know, I'm a wave rider. <laughs> and we just lace up and keep going. Okay, so that kind of that kind of actually transitions me a little bit because you were talking about when you began, you had the, the, the shin splints. What actually got you into running? Because I know you roller skate. So I, I'm thinking you've been roller skating since you were a kid. But... When, when did you decide to get into to, to uh, exactly? When did you decide that you wanted to run marathon? Child, don't nobody wake up talking about they want to run a marathon. Nobody. <laughs> no, nobody does that. So a little history. So 
in 2010, um, my oldest daughter, Diamond, who Gary turned 26, um, she went off to Southern University. And so, you know, like any freshman, you know, we all turn up at HBCUs. And I ain't going to lie, I was like a helicopter parent. You know, if I'm paying, I'm staying. And I was showing up at homecoming, you know, like it was my homecoming. And she just was like, boo, I'm going to need you to fall back. And I was like calling the teachers. Because if I'm paying, I'm paying. I want to know what them grades look like, where my money going, you know, where my refund went, because I didn't get it. So, you know, she was, she was, she was, that little girl was stressing me the hell out. And I was so tired of hitting that road to Louisiana. And so, you know, I told her not to move off campus. Well, she decides she's going to move off campus with a little boosie in it. And so my stress, like, I don't have high stress. I don't, I don't have high blood pressure, none of that. But baby girl had me on 10. And so it was like, you know what? People tell you how to raise your kids, but they don't tell you how to let go. Mm. And so it was difficult to learn to let go because I was still kind of treating her as if she was in high school and under my roof, but she actually was an adult. With adults, you let them go, whatever mistakes they make, that's on them, not on you as a parent. You know, I had given her all the tools in her toolbox to be successful. It was just a matter of her, you know, instead of pulling out, you know, a flathead, well, you're going to need a different kind of screwdriver. It just depends on the screw. And so I knew that when I sent her off, she was equipped. But the mistake she was making, I was still, you know, trying to save her. And it literally drove me crazy. So one of my coworkers um, was getting into walking. And they, you know, they was doing these 5Ks. And even then... I was like, child, I'm a cross-country runner. I ain't doing no run walk. I ain't walking nowhere. And I can beat all of y'all. And so, you know, we were training for this. Um, we were training for this 5K, office 5K. Mm-hmm. And I'm a skater, so I can go all night. I ain't really practice with y'all. There, there's no practice needed for a 5K. <laughs> and so, you know, we got out there, and we were doing our little practice walks and runs. And so... One of my coworkers found out about Black Girls Run. Mm-hmm. And so I joined in with her. And that was, you know, I think I, I stuck with them for like two years, three years. And then as I got to know more people, you know, we had done the peach tree. We had done, you know, five little 5K. And so all the people that I surrounded myself with, well, at that time, they were marathoners. They had trained for their first. And it's like, for me... I'm a tar. I'm always trying to get to the next level of something. I never stay consistent. It's always what's next, what's around the corner. And I was like, okay, forget the, the work stuff. Let's, let's get our weight up. So I ran my first half of Thanksgiving with a group of ladies in Midtown. And, you know, one thing I will always say is, yeah, everybody starts somewhere. Black Girls Run was my foundation. It pretty much saved my blood pressure because instead of focusing on my daughter, I was focusing on making sure that I showed up Tuesday night at Atlantic Station, Thursday night at Midtown, and that was kind of my pattern of getting back and doing things for myself since, you know, I was trying to not be a helicopter parent anymore. But you raise kids for 20 years, and then you figure out, well, now you get your time back. Well, what do you like to do? Well, I don't know because I've been doing kids for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And so I started doing things for myself, and I actually enjoyed it. But I ran cross-country in high school. 
um, fooled around with it one year in college and then had a kid and, you know, you start becoming a parent and whatever you want get put on the back burner. So it was like I was getting my life back. And so I really enjoyed meeting up with the ladies. And, you know, when you have these group runs, it's really not about what club you belong to, what shirt you represent, what group you represent. It's all about the people that come out. Mm-hmm. Those are the people that you make those relationships with and those bonds with, and you get to know them, and then you have this beautiful bond, and you become disciplined and accountable because everybody shows up every week. Right. And that was the little time that I was able to carve out for myself, and some of them had little kids. And so for them to be able to carve out that one or two hours to get there to run, I mean, that time was precious. And you didn't waste it. And so those ladies, you know, we all got together. We're going to do this. We're going to train. And then after a few halves, it was like, okay, who ready to do this marathon? We, why not? We, we already have ready. And, you know, I can convince people to do some foolish stuff. And they yes, said, yes. Yeah. You convinced me.
Why not? Why not you? I mean, who else in the family going to do it? Like, you're the only one got a passport. Mm. Why not you? And so those are things that she built up in me. And it was just like, you know, you had to believe in you. Why not? And so my first marathon was 2013. It was the Marine Corps. And so at that time, um, my husband was a Marine. Uh, My older brother was a Marine, but he was struggling with the drugs. And so I felt like if I was going to do my first marathon, let me pay tribute to the men in my life. And so that is how the Marine Corps came to be. And then, you know, I convinced some other people to join me. And, you know, we did it. And so one thing I will say about marathon training and and setting yourself up, somebody's always watching. And you never know who you're inspiring because I don't look like a runner. I definitely don't train like a runner. They think I'll be playing and playing with the training plans, and I do. But I'm still going to get it done. You know, I'm just going to do it my way. Right. But, you know, if you were serious, if you were serious elite runner, they'd be like, child, she ain't going to make it. But, no, I'm going to make it because I, I believe in me. But other people see that. And so along the way, I've seen people watch it. And it's like, if they can do it, I can do it too. So that is what has kind of pushed me along the journey because, you not own it by yourself. Other people are coming along, mm-hmm. and it's free. It's open. Anybody can do it. You just got to put in the work. But I've heard so many people in my ear when I did my first marathon. I didn't have nobody to train with. I did it by myself. That ain't going to be me because I'm about to invite everybody to show up because I'm going to need all these hands on deck, <laughs> and I ain't running alone. Right. And, and then you turn it into a party, and you make it fun, and you make it exciting. And so... I think that's what buys people in to do it because, I mean, don't get me wrong. There is not one race I want to run more than one time because why? Why not go different places and see the world and see it best on foot? You know, see it differently than somebody that's a tourist. And that's become like a mission in a sense for me. And so, you know, and then it speaks to, being able to tell the story somewhere differently. And I'll never forget when I came back from Paris, I saw this lady in public, baby, I had on a Paris marathon shirt and she had parked next to me and she saw my 26.2 sticker. She's like, oh, Paris, Georgia, (laughs) baby. (laughs) Baby. (laughs) I'm sure you got her right on together. Well, you know, I was I was very nice, nasty. I right. was just like, no, ma'am, Paris, France. Would you like to see the picture? That's, now, um, Heather, I didn't know that much about you. I didn't actually know you had run cross country, um, in high school. So yeah. that's definitely information. Um, so you kind of had that running background. I uh, see you, you, you know, running was your therapy uh, from your daughter <laughs> <laughs> that that got you into it, and then other people, I guess, kind of is what pointed you in the direction of having these these marathon goals. Now, the, of course, the main reason I wanted to talk to you was because you have done all the world majors. Which, yes. And I saw that you are the first woman in Georgia, is that correct, that has done all six? Correct. So according to Abbott, mm-hmm. um, Abbott has an application, and it consists of the six world majors. You are to list your bid, your time number, and they confirm it. So before you can be issued a six-star, your application has to be approved. And they keep track of how many applicants per state. 
They don't do nationality. It's just based on the state and the country. So, for example, Georgia has, I believe, six or seven people, and I would be the only woman that has submitted an application that's been approved and received a six-star. Now, in, in another woman's defense, what they have said is it's possible that they could have completed it and never issue an application to receive the star. Right. So, but based on the day that I got my star, I was told by Abbott that I was the only woman in Georgia to receive this and congratulations. So I do know two of the six people on the list. Um, one is Roosevelt Giles. Um, he's an African-American runner here in Atlanta, mm -hmm. and he's on his second uh, time of the world majors. And then there's another gentleman um, that is um, here in Atlanta as well, and he holds um, a six-star medal as well. So you, out of all the people that have done all six majors, there's only, like, what'd you say, six or seven that are in Georgia? There are six or seven total in Georgia. Wow. I would be the first woman that they have issued a certificate um, of completion to. That that really is amazing. I, that is that's a big accomplishment, Heather, and, and I'm I'm real real proud of you on that. Now, Thank how you. in the heck did you get into all? Because I can't even get into New York, so right. we we got questions on how we get uh, into these has... <laughs> into these marathons. Okay, so basically, um, I have taken the easy road out, and so don't get me wrong. In 2013. When we set out to do the MCM, um, Marine Corps, that was the year that had the bad weather and they were talking about canceling the race. And then a couple of weeks out, they was like, the race is on. So that was the year before they started a lottery. And so Chicago, um, we got in the lottery. It wasn't a big deal. Now in 2015, we were looking at the New York but two years prior to that, I had signed up for New York. And it's like a big letdown because you get all hyped thinking, okay, I'm going to, you know, get in this lottery, but I can't plan a, I can't find me a hotel. I can't book a ticket because I don't know if I'm going to get in. Mm -hmm. That to me is anxiety. I'm a planner. I need concrete information and I need to know that this is set in stone. And so um, in 2015, we had set out to do the Great Wall of China. And so the only way you could get into the Great Wall of China was to go through um, two tour companies. One is Marathon Tours, and the other one, I believe, was like Abbott. So the way the China people got it set up, you can't just roll in off the street and buy a bid. Their bid is attached to a seven-day stay with tours included. And they only have two, two tour companies that they share those plans with. And so that's the only way you ever going to run the Great Wall of China. So that was the first time that I was introduced to Marathon Tours. So Marathon Tours is a travel agency for runners. And so the year that we did New York, that was the first year that Marathon Tours actually received guaranteed bids from New York. They had, they had been trying to get them for years. They never did. So because I was a seven-continent member, um, I get the emails, and so they would let you know when they would have bids for whatever races, and if you had an interest, you could email a certain person that was identified with that group, and the deposits are always $500. So the only thing about Marathon Tours is 
they always stay at the host hotels. So the prices are going to be a little more than what you would pay is if you did it on your own or through, you know, some of the other companies. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was the end because I ain't got time to be fooling with these lotteries. These lotteries is like setting you up to fail. I'm not a gambler. And I got tired of <laughs> getting my hopes up high and only to be let down. Right. So, and I got tired of giving them $10 a year for nothing. And so the year that they had the New York bid, um, two ladies that I did marathon tours with, I was like, look, we can all go to New York together and get in together. And so it was based on double occupancy. But what I told them was every hotel got a rollaway bed. Y'all may not want to, but you can put a third person in that room. So if you put a third person in that room, it's going to take your numbers down. And so, you know, the worst they could say is no. So I always ask and I challenge them. And so they always end up letting me have a third person, which took it down a little bit. But I was more focused on the guaranteed bid. And so that's how we got into New York. Now, when it came to Tokyo and some of the other ones, you're just paying a little higher premium for the room, but you can get a guaranteed bid. And so how you become a seven-continent member is they have what they call a membership. It's $200. They give you 100 back based on the number of trips that you book in the future. So they break it down in four. So you're paying them 100 for VIP, and they give you 100 back, but you can only use 25 at a time. And if that's the only way I can get these guaranteed bids, then why not? But see, I learned early on how to play the game. So they have bids for Tokyo, New York, all the world majors. London is the only exception. They do have bids for London, but you have to be a seven-continent member. Now, it took me three years to get to London because there were so many people ahead of me that were members who, based on seniority, they got in before me. But I got in this year because it goes back to your seniority. I became a member in 2014, but it wasn't until this year that my spot came available because the only other way to get into London is to simply do do a lot, not a lottery. Well, don't know Americans get into the lottery. Right. I don't know, <laughs> uh, maybe like one in a million. Right. And that was on the fog, and I don't even know that they even confirmed that. But the way the locals talk about London, London is actually like a peach tree road race, but it's in the form of 26.2 miles. Okay. It's a fun run. Right. And it's for the locals, and it's, they raise money for their city because everybody is sponsored mm-hmm. through a charity. Mm-hmm. But it has a eight-hour finishing time because they want their locals to be able to run this marathon if nowhere else run it in your hometown. Mm-hmm. But because it's a world major, now there's all this, you know, talk about how to get in. All the other major races, you can use your time and submit it and be grandfathered in, in a sense. But not London. London, you either have to go through a charity or marathon tours. That's the only way. So I learned early on that marathon tours was the way to go when I was sitting and planning, you know, a year in advance. I made them aware of my plan, and they just helped me, you know, each year and get to the goal. And and that's how it worked. Smashed it wide open, smashed that goal. So, you know, and like I said, everybody in, in, I know, in the Atlanta running community is real, real proud of you because you have done something that people don't, I mean, people don't do. And, you know, I I hate to say it, black people don't do. So, I mean, 
to run in other countries, run on other continents. That that is definitely inspiring. Now we've talked about your run journey. We've talked about your world majors journey. You are now the world major queen. You have something coming up that you told us about. This is a scoop, people. Nobody else know about this. Well, that's what you told us. Nobody else know about this. First time. First time. First time. You have an exhibit, a a portrait (laughs) exhibit that is coming up. Tell us about that. Yes. So I have learned. um, So just a little history. So I lost my mom um, last year um, doing the whole team takedown. And having to do hospice uh, my mother passed away of um, liver cancer and so having sat with her you know during the most exciting time of my life um, was really it was kind of eye-opening I mean it it, it taught me that tomorrow's not promised and here I am planning for my 50th birthday you know planning you know I'm great turn 48 I still got two more years but instead of me planning until that time, why am I waiting? Because life just passed me by. And the crazy part is, you know, I was there when she got diagnosed. I was running back and forth from Indiana to Georgia. And, you know, when your parents get older, they don't tell you everything. And so things were kind of changing and she wasn't really sharing. And because of HIPAA, you know, she was still a sound mind and body. And she told me she don't want me in her business. And she was clear about that. And so I couldn't really find out all what was going on. Even when I went to the doctor with her, you know, my mama was an OG. She was like, I'm going to need you to step outside. I don't need you all in my business. <laughs> and so I couldn't, get a, you know, a, a good idea of like some other things that transpired in her stages. And so I was there when she did the chemo, but then I didn't know until after the fact that she had gone as far as she could go in the chemo and, and it had spread it once the chemo stopped. Mm. So she was slowly, you know, deteriorating and there was nothing I could do about it because I didn't know. So when I went and got her for Christmas, I didn't realize that I only had 30 days with her after that. Mm. And her birthday was the day after Christmas. And so, you know, she came to Georgia and you know, we spent those times and I took her back because she said she had a doctor's appointment. And so when I took her back, the day I took her back, the very next day, they gave us a diagnosis of she got probably less than 30 days. Wow. And so that experience really woke me up because it's like now I'm a grandmother. And, you know, what does my granddaughter really know about me? What if I'm not here? How will she know who I was? And what we realize as we become adults and become grandparents, we don't realize that, you know, there's a lot of things that we don't know about our grandparents. There was conversations that we may have never had, like how did they grow up? Like what were their hobbies? What did they like? All you know is they worked hard for everything they had. And they just always give you that fruitful advice, like work hard, you know, save your money, go put shoes on, work hard, save your money, and, you know, don't buy from the white man or whatever they say. And so (laughs) I just, I mean, for real, like, that's all I remember my grandmother ever telling me, like, don't be, you know, buying no, get no house with no 30-year mortgage, you know, don't buy no car brand new, go get your used car. Like, my grandparents were old-fashioned. Yeah. And they they were raised differently. And so, 
you know, she would always say, well, we poor. And I'd be like, I ain't poor now. Come on. I ain't, I ain't poor. But you have to be respectful and respect, you know, where they've come from and how hard they had to work just to be able to care for you. And so I started thinking, we all have a story to tell. And what's going to be my story? And people kept saying, you know, you have this story to tell. You're inspiring and this and that. And I just figured, well, you know, eventually I'll tell my story. But as time went on, I just felt more compelled to share because you always want to continue to inspire people. Like, I didn't feel like I'm putting this show on just to say, oh, look at me, look at me, look what I did, look what I did. Mm -hmm. Definitely not that. But it was to, I think for me, coming from the heart, it's to show people that it's never too late to have a dream. It's never too late to set a goal. And it doesn't have to occur overnight. It can be a five-year goal. It can be a 10-year goal. It's your goal. You achieve it as you start your plan. But what if my story did inspire somebody? What if my story did motivate somebody to do something? I'm all about all of us women. I don't want to be the only one. I don't mind being the first one, but I want other people to join me on this journey because why not? You know, I want us all to win. And so, you know, I, 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 it kept talking to me, and I kept saying, well, how do I tell this story? And then I started thinking, I got over about 7,000 pictures in my iPhone, <laughs> and they're all running. But what do I do with them? You know, I, I throw them up on Throwback Thursday or What You Doing Wednesday or Touch Your Toe Tuesday, you know, or something like that. And so you, you, you start thinking, like, why don't I do, like, an art show? Just like, you know, when an artist comes out with his work, he wants everybody to see it. And in my mind, that's the vision that I came up with. And at one point... I was just looking like to, you know, find somebody's art gallery and just feature some things in it. Mm -hmm. And then an opportunity presented itself to me where somebody was thinking about me and was like, no, you don't need to be in nobody else's gallery. You need your own. And because I knew somebody that knew somebody, they made it happen for me. And now I am able to have my own, what I would call a, um, a portrait exhibit, but the title of it is Running With No Filter, and I got to give a shout out to my boy Darrell Patterson because he has been my cheerleader in my ear for years, and he was like, this is what you need to do, and he was like, stop stressing because it's never been done, so there's no right or wrong way to do it. It's your story. You tell it however you want to tell it, but it, it definitely has to speak and because you're a runner, you know, you, you'll feel it. But I want to impact the people that aren't runners. Even if running ain't so thing, it's still everybody deserves to have their story told. I mean, look how many years we had to wait for Hidden Figures. Who knew that story? Right. Mm -hmm. Nobody knew it until it became a film. And then everybody went out and got the book. Mm. But just think about those stories. And and that was those ladies, that, that was their, their way of life. That's what they did for a living. But, I mean, what if it's a different kind of story? It's still a story nonetheless. And everybody has one. And some of this story is kind of personal, but I'm human. And shit happens to all of us. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, I don't want people to say, oh, well, she got the life. She traveled from here to here. Baby, look here. This thing has been a journey. Mm-hmm. I done cut off all my hair. I ain't got no more perm. I can't afford the beauty shop lady. <laughs> I have cut down to the basics. You see what I'm saying? Right. I mean, life is life. And I'm sure, right, and I'm sure outside looking in, I make it look easy. But I, I feel like I'm I'm kind of transparent where people know that it ain't easy. You know, mm-hmm. I ain't got no filter. So I will give it to you. 100. So the name of the show is called Running With No Filter, A Six-Year Journey. And so I started the journey in 2013. And for six years, like the first journey um, is called Footprints in the Cement. And that would be the year that I ran my first marathon. And the whole journey is about the people on the journey with you. So it will pretty much enhance the Atlanta run community. And then in 2014, I talked about outside the lane because I became a grandmother. Well, that wasn't a part of my plan. <laughs> you know, I wasn't trying to be nobody, grandmama. I'm young, you know. <laughs> Who told you to do that? And so in my mind, you know, that took me outside the lane. Like, it's like, you know, everybody knows 75 goes north and south. Okay, but you got 675. Yeah. What are you doing on 675? <laughs> you you done got outside the lane. That ain't what I told you. <laughs> so, and then in 2015, you know, I, I, I didn't make it in Great Wall of China. I, I fell off. And so that really made me look at what I call portraits and truth because, you know, on this journey, I had never DNF. And I, I know I was. I felt like I let people down. I paid a whole lot of money to get to China. Even though I came back with a medal, I didn't complete the race. I couldn't count it. Mm-hmm. And that made me, it's been a long time since I failed at anything. And that humbled me because you you just you feel like, what happened? What did I do? You know, how did this happen? And so... You know, after you get through feeling sorry for yourself and drinking, you pick yourself up and you dust yourself off and you try it again. And so when I went to Tokyo that following year in 2016, that's what I call a detour because Tokyo wasn't part of the plan. Mm -hmm. And I started out with seven continents. Tokyo put me in the world majors because I already had Chicago and New York. I had two under my belt. Mm -hmm. See, my goal was never to fix world majors it was always seven continents mm. because that's what the book i had read i didn't know about the six world majors but once i got tokyo that put me three in i only had three more to go right. so then i shifted gears put seven continents on the back burner and went ahead to achieve a goal that i was closer to completing mm. and so that's why i call it a detour then in 2016 was the team takedown public well that's a concrete testimony in itself. And then in 2017 is where I lost my mom. And, you know, I don't know if everybody knows this, but I lost my marriage too. Mm-hmm. So I called that a mile in my shoes. Mm-hmm. Because everybody walks differently and everybody chooses their path. Mm-hmm. But when a path is chosen for you, you got to walk in it. Right. Whatever it looks like, whatever you face, you, you got to walk through it get to the other side because that's where the glory is and so um 2018 brought me to the end which is a frame in focus because i had two left 
and everything that I had been through and come from, I'm focused. I got to get this. I got to make this happen, whatever it takes. And don't get me wrong, I wasn't a fan of Boston, never had been. I try to stay out of them arguments about Boston because people get in their feelings. It's so heated, Heather. <laughs> it, it, it does. And, and, and don't get me wrong, I respect the mm-hmm. fact that you worked your ass off to meet this goal. A goal is a goal. Whether you try to get a certain time and things like that, I get that. I never want to minimize anybody's goal because we all have them. And I take mine to heart, too. But I just try to stay off the path because that was never part of my journey. But when I decide to do the majors, well, I know I'm going to have to raise this money. And, you know, it, it, it took Darrell and Maria to help me understand that you know, it's one thing to qualify for a race, but baby, you you got to raise seventy five hundred. Right. That's 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 something different. It sure is. Not everybody can do that, and I had to, I had to own that power because I was selling myself short. I just kept looking at well, I didn't qualify, and I and I always want to be respected in the run community, and I know how people feel about qualifying versus charity. Right. But I had to own the lane that I was in and I have a right to be here. And if I can raise 7,500, I'm going to be at that starting line. Mm. And once I took on that attitude, then I was able to bring it home because up until like probably before I went to Boston, I still was on that BS like, child, you know, doubting myself, even though the money was raised in 45 days, Mm -hmm. I still had doubt. And I still couldn't come to grips with where I was. And and it took them to say, look, you got the right to be here. Be you. Do what you set out to do. Now, I didn't know that weather was going to be like that. Yeah. That was a whole game changer. Lord, but nasty. No, nasty wasn't the right word. It was numb <laughs> for 26.2 miles. <laughs> no, I got you. You, you was, you was numbable. You was, you was numb from the rooter to the tutor. And, you know, now I can better appreciate that race because guess what? Everybody didn't make it. And even the elite people had to take a break. Say it again. Yep. You, you see are, what I'm saying? You so, are so correct, Heather. And, yeah. And let me yeah. say this. Um, don't eat. Heather, you have been a fixture in the Atlanta running community since I got into it anyway. First time I met Heather was at the Thanksgiving half marathon. I ain't know nobody really. I've been running with black men run for a little bit, but I really didn't know anybody. Heather walks up to me. Here you go. And hands me a shot. I'm like, okay, I can hang out with her. You know, <laughs> you I, know, I can no, hang ain't, out with her. Ain't no party like a Heather King party because the Heather King party don't stop. That was that and year you know, that it was so cold. <laughs> yeah. When it was freezing cold okay, that year. That. Mm-hmm. We all about a party and a purpose. But see, I think that's the other thing too that mm-hmm. People don't take me serious. Well, you can't be serious about her because all she do is turn up and party. But it don't matter. I'm built like this. I can do both. <laughs> and I'm going to show you how. But you take care of your business. But I do I believe. That's something that's different, you know, about you. Yes, you do party. Yes, you turn up. But you, at the same time, you making those goals. You're setting the goals. And you're completing them. Yeah. I mean, you got one life, baby. You got to live it the best way. And tomorrow ain't promised. But it, it, it takes you to lose a few things to realize how precious exactly. your life really is. Exactly. And some of the things you used to take for granted, you don't take it for granted no more. You know, like 
my youngest is 21. I ain't put her out yet because, you know, she don't pay no bills, but I like her being here because she she still reminds me that, you know, there is hope for, you know, millennials. So I keep her close, whereas, <laughs> you know, the oldest one, I had already put you out. So you change, you get soft as you get older. Right. And you, you, you start to focus on, you know, what really matters and then the people around you mattering. And you try to spend as much time and be present in their lives because, you know, you can get all these things, but what you going to do with them? People always remember how you treat them. And that is how you move forward in life because you show up, you're accountable. And that's what people remember. You know, at people's funeral, they're not going to say what, what your time was at the Boston Marathon. They're just going to say you completed it. I don't know that it's going to matter at, at your funeral whether you qualified or you was a charity runner. You, you see what I'm saying? People remember how you showed up in their life. What, what do they remember about you? And we've all gone to them funerals where it don't tell how people live. And I want you to know how I live. I want you to know that I was happy and that I did things that, that brought me joy versus, you know, like I ain't been able to buy Louis in years, child. Don't, don't get me wrong. I look at the pictures all the time. But <laughs> that Louis is equivalent to a plane ticket out this country. And I would much rather have that. And so even as you get older, you change your priorities. Things that used to matter don't really matter no more because you can collect all these things, but who are you going to share them with? Right. Can't put you them know? in the grave with you. Exactly. Well, no, you can't put, and you can't put your running stuff in them either because as, as your hobbies change, you know, you, you want those experiences versus, those things you know i love lululemon but honey lulu don't keep the lights on and i'll be cute out at that starting line and the lights at home be off so <laughs> you have to prioritize you know that you is... know your old vintage your old vintage lulu might look just as good because ain't nobody seen it because it's that old you might could break that bad boy out and be a trendsetter so it just it, it changes it changes on the regular but you you know as you get older Things, more things mean more important things to you versus, you know, when you're young because you ain't lived life long enough to know, you know. And once I became a grandmother, it's like, okay, everything now is about the legacy. It's about, you know, my aunt always told me, you know, that you've made it where you can leave something to your children's children. It's not about that 401K that they're going to get when you pass. They're going to take 33 and a third out. And then your kids gonna run through it buying all the latest and the greatest because that's what they do with money. Mm. And your hard work gonna be gone in thirty days or less. But if you have some legacy to leave behind, you know, we none of us was around for Martin. We didn't get to march with Coretta now or ride the bus with Rosa. But we can create our little known black history. And the only thing I kept thinking about one of the marathons was, you know, when Zoe, my granddaughter, goes to show and tell. She gonna go in there with all these medals and be like, "Bam! What's your nana do?" <laughs> and it it just gave me life. It was like, "Here you got this little black girl coming up in kindergarten for show and tell, and her nana gonna make her a globe. And when you open it, it's gonna have all the seven continent medals coming out. Oh, it's gonna sweep everybody off their feet. Wow! And that that pushed me. But the thought of it, because when I went to show and tell. Hell, you was bringing something from your grandma's closet to show and tell. You know, it wasn't, it was significant because it belonged to them, 
But there wasn't really a historic value to it. You know, maybe a stamp if they collected stamps. So my granddaddy collected two dollar bills. That was big. Mm. But for my granddaughter, I thought, why can't I make picture books through my journey? Because if you look up a book on Paris, you're gonna have the Mona Lisa, you're gonna have the Louvre, the Eiffel Tower, but you ain't gonna have grandmama pictures. And your grandmama went all these places. Well, that ain't gonna be in no book. So you have to tell your children stories that they don't otherwise know. And as I get older, I'm still hoping that my children are proud of me. You know, they're young adults, and they don't say too much. Yeah. You know, my granddaughter loves me, but my children just be like, girl, you're doing the most. Sit down. <laughs> Can you stay out for Instagram? You know? <laughs> so I'm still trying to impress them. And, you know, they don't really tell you they're proud of you. Like, I hope that they are. But sure, the only yeah. thing I ever get back is, girl, you be doing the most. You, you Sit down. And well. so... Yeah. So, you know, you just, you know, in this life, I just really hope that my legacy is something that my children can be proud of. None of them run. But I'm hoping as Zoe gets older, you know, she knows more about me. And maybe if I'm here, I can tell her my story. But if I'm not, I've left a legacy of stories that she will have and be able to pass on, you know, down, down the line. Exactly. And so that's, that's, that's really what it's all about, your legacy. So that's where we are in life, <laughs> and a party with a purpose, because the king likes the party. And so, you know, if that's a way to bring people together to enjoy and have a good time, then, you know, why not? I mean, it ain't costing you nothing. Well, Heather, number and one. all we got is time. Number one, ain't nobody just following you because you party, because you can't sell out a marathon with a bunch of black people just on a party. So don't even believe that. They, we, we respect you and we understand what you're trying to do. And you summed it up great with the whole legacy talk with your granddaughter. You're right. Exactly what you're doing. You're making you're making our new black history. So we're very proud of you. If, hey. if, if your kids ain't, we proud of you. We know what you went through. So we, we are very proud of you. Now tell everybody when and where the exhibit's going to be. Okay, so the exhibit is going to be, um, so there's a public exhibit that's going to be on Friday, May the 11th, um, and it's going to be a part of Castleberry Art Show, um, and it's going to be at Studio 249, which is 249 Peter Street, so it sits right at the end of the little strip where we party at Spin, mm -hmm. 255, where I have all my day parties. Um, it sits right there on the end next to the parking lot. You can't miss it. And so it will be open to the public on Friday. I believe it's going to be like evening hours because normally Castleberry Stroll is normally like 6 to 9 or something like that. Mm -hmm. And the private show is going to be on Saturday, May the 12th from 2 to 4. I will be there both days. Um but the private party, I would just recommend everybody come. I mean, you don't need a, you know, invitation, not invitation, but, you know, a special invitation. It's, it's open to the public. I'm calling it private because I just want to invite my friends and all the runners in the Atlanta community to come out and just see the story, but inspire other people to be willing to tell their story. You don't have to do the same thing I did or use the same pictures or whatever, but I just think all of these running journeys need to be told in some kind of format because you don't get enough of them. And some of us never going to make runner's world. You know, we're never going to make the cover of women running, but it don't mean we don't deserve to be. So, you know, 
You call Carlos Boy, get your own magazine cover, and search <laughs> your story, and there you go. <laughs> I hear you. I love those magazine <laughs> covers. Carlos did a great job on those. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> we can create our own magazine. We can create our own podcast. We can tell our own story. I mean, you got to start somewhere, but we equip. We got the skills. Exactly. So why not? Exactly. Why are we waiting on somebody else? Heather, as always, yes. it is wonderful speaking with you. Um, if they want to, I know you gave when and where, but if they need to look it up, are you going to have something in your Facebook page? Where can they go to get this information about the exhibit? Yeah, so I'm going to, um, actually, I'm going to, once I hang up from you, I'm going to go ahead and do the invite, attach the picture. I'll put it on my main page. I'll put it on Instagram. Um, my kids won't let me tweet, but I'll put it on Facebook and Instagram. And then um, I'll do the invite to everybody so that they see it's public. And I'm hoping, you know, word of mouth really gets out. And if people can't come on Saturday, you know, for whatever reason, maybe they can stop in on Friday and see it. Um, I do have a friend. I believe he is going to come and videotape it and put it up on um YouTube, I believe. That's what we talked about. But, mm -hmm. you know, hopefully I will have that part done by next week and be able to feature it. So even for the people that, you know, are in the running community, not in Atlanta, they still can see it. So we'll make it live and put it up so others can see, maybe even if it's after the fact. And so, you know, you never know. Somebody might invite my, my gallery somewhere and we, we travel with it. You just never know. Exactly. But I, I'm hoping that it gets somebody's attention and somebody's inspired by it. And, you know, it'll be definitely a good look for the Atlanta running community because we are the Mecca of the African-American running, you know, community. And so, Hey, <laughs> <laughs> well, once again, thank you uh, for speaking with on uh, speaking with us on run duo. You got anything else for India? Yes. You know, you always continue to inspire me. You got me out there doing my first marathon. So I always hey. appreciate you. <laughs> all and the love, all so the cheers, and you telling me you, I can do it. So I always respect and appreciate everything that you do. And you did it. So hey, you see what I'm saying? You did that? Yeah. Yes, ma'am. But but definitely, um, I appreciate you guys taking time out and, you know, putting it down on tracks. And <laughs> we're just going to keep this thing moving and look out for you know, Western Star, but we don't, we don't stop. We just we keep uplifting and building, and onward and forward is the plan. Thank you, Heather. You have a good one, okay? You too. Bye. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you, India. Bye-bye.